0: And, and Love talk radio. Don't know. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind heart, a fresh new song. And will bring you there. So let's about it and Good morning,
1: everyone.
0: And This is Fran Lewis, this is MJ Network MJ, a member of my sister Marcia Joyce And this is going to be really cool Revenge, guilt, redemption, and smoke. Ed Earl Burtz is back And watch out, you don't want to mess with this guy And Jim Nesbitt is here Welcome back to MJ Network And this is going to be fun because I love Ed Earl And he just, no holds barred So how you doing? Well, I'm
1: doing fine, and thank you for having me back on. I always enjoy uh, time on your show and uh, uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the ride, and uh, I'm happy to, happy to say that I've cranked out another Ed Earl Birch, uh hardball crime thriller, and I, I think it's the best one yet.
0: I have to agree, and if my computer didn't make my review disappear, I'll just get another set of five stars for later. Seriously, well, I guess, I It happened you. I, I, I type sometimes And all of a sudden The supercomputer says uh, You know, you're too nice I go, yeah, well, that's too bad on you So Ed Earl has a history The first thing is That first scene How did you create it? And that last paragraph really got to me So how did you create the first murder scene And why so graphic? Because it introduces the one person That you really need to know
1: um, the, um,
0: you know, I I kind of treated that as a prologue,
1: and, uh, you know, in prologue you kind of deliberately mask character uh, that you're gonna come back to later on. Um, it's just kind of a teaser, um, and uh, as I started writing it, it was, you know, became more and more graphic, but yet powerful and, you know, really launched the story. And I hadn't I hadn't done that since my first novel. And um uh you know, and I just thought, well, after I'd finished the the the, the chapter, it just felt like a real explosive way to jump into the book, uh, rather rather than my standard openings tend to be me- meandering and uh, uh much more of a narrative. So um and I thought I'd just plunge people into the dark heart of, you know, West Texas as fast as I could and get them, get them acclimated.
0: So there are two, there's a dead body. We know that. So tell us about the two law enforcement that are investigating it. Who are Charlie Doggett and um, who is Blackie? And do uh, I
1: like them? The... Um, Blackie's a minor character. He's one of the crime yeah. scene investigators. Uh, Sudden Doggett is an important character. He is the sheriff of mm. the imaginary county of Cuervo County, Texas—something mm. I made up—and he's just an interesting cat. He's a, he's a, a mixed race—you uh, know, black and uh, and Hispanic—and he's descended from a uh, Fairly famous um, horse whisperer who used to uh, uh, gather up uh, wild mustangs for the ranchers in the area, and um, he and uh, Ed Earl have a on and off love hate relationship. Uh, they like each other, but they're they're always like like brothers. They're always pawing at each other and smacking mm. each other and and. Uh, and uh, you know, teasing or uh, insulting each other. So um and and I think the 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 scene with the uh, sudden in chapter two um mm-hmm. uh, you know really kind of gets you into the broader story of um of uh, Rhonda May uh and the people she's become entangled with and the, uh, uh, Rhonda May's grandmother Who has hired Ed Earl to find her And mm. get her to come, come visit for the last time Because uh, the grandmother is dying
0: You sort of understand as you read the book You understand Rhonda May, in a sense but The grandmother reminds me of my grandmother that I miss So you have to love her because she's straightforward and just says what she wants to say. And the fact that he even went back to go there was amazing too. So why does Ed Earl have an inner voice and why the conversations? Who is he talking to?
1: Well, he's either talking to the ghost of his dead partner or he's talking to himself.
0: And Mm -hmm. I like to
1: use internal dialogue. It's one of the, you know, it's another way of um, revealing who the character is, you know, rather than introducing another character to him to talk back and forth. I mean, we all have these in, 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 you know internal conversations with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our brains are never quiet. So I think it's a good device to use, you know, uh, just like external dialogue uh, helps reveal the character, internal dialogue does that as well. Uh, and Ed Earl is kind of haunted by the, the his dead partner. He blames himself for the partner's death, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, they have a rather lively back and forth. So I think it's uh, I think it's something that um, that really kind of shows who Ed Earl is, and um, you know really kind of reveals. Uh, you know, some of the, his uh, his thoughts and his, uh, um, you know, what makes him tick without just, you know, describing that flatly in narrative.
0: You know, readers are smart. They'll figure it out. Yeah, I figured it out. Don't worry about that. But, I, you know, something, I understand. You know, I talked to my sister up in heaven, and I yeah. told her. You you need to fix this right now So this is what you're going to do And then if five minutes later it gets fixed I know she heard me If she didn't I know she's out to lunch or dancing somewhere Because that's her So why does he need But He has a choice between drinking something Or Percodan Why does he need meds
1: Well he's By this time in this novel He's kind of shed his dependency Mm. On uh, uh, meds He
0: yeah, uh, two
1: books back. No, the last book. He was really you know, messed up and uh, tortured by nightmares and kind of like a PTSD situation from an earlier case. And uh, you know he had you know nightmares in the middle of the day and was only functional if he was working a case and got through the you know the quiet hours with uh, bourbon and Percodan. Well, he weaned himself off the pills in this book. Still drinks, um, still drinks Maker's Mark, but um, and he's managed to tamp those demons back in their holes and be much more functional. Uh, you know, I, 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 in this book, I tried to age Ed he's probably in his early to mid 50s in this book without making him a poster child for geritol. So, you know, I gave him some of my maladies, bad knees, cataract (laughs) surgery, just the things that, you know, middle-aged folk and older, you know, have to go through. And um, he's slowing down, but he's still pretty tough and still pretty ornery. So it was interesting to me to kind of strike that balance between Mm -hmm. putting a little age on him but at the same time not taking too much away from his essence.
0: Well, I refuse to middle anything. I gave up after I was 12. That's it. And the one question I'll never answer is, what's your date of birth? And I go, I have no clue. And it works very (laughs) well for me. It does. So what does he do? Who works, yeah. Well, the, you know, they ask you that. The first thing you do when you go to the pharmacist, what's your date of birth? They said my last name is Lewis. Figure it out. <laughs> and they know. There I won't tell go. him. I there won't you tell go. him. So what does he do to make sure he has all his artillery before going out? I don't blame him. I could use that too. And who is Betty Lou? Well,
1: um, the uh, he's a, you know he's an ex cop. So. Yeah uh you know wearing wearing iron is like you and i putting on underwear so uh when he goes out you know he makes sure he's got uh um, a colt 1911 you know 45 caliber acp makes sure he has a couple of spare mags in his uh, coat pocket and uh that's just part of you know that's just part of his everyday wear so uh I think that's um you know, he's kind of showing the ex cop in him, uh, without saying, Oh, he's an ex cop just showing that. Uh, Betty Lou is the nickname he gives to a um, Midnight Blue Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme mm. that is uh is the I, I, I hesitate to call her the love, the love of his life, but mm. he's mighty, mighty smitten by this woman, Carla Sue Cantrell, who's a bit of a mm-hmm. badass. She, she makes a living, triple crossing uh, drug dealers and gun runners down on the border and elsewhere. And uh, she, uh, you know, they can never be together, but when they do, sparks fly and uh um and she's on the run from the last set of people she had ripped off. So um, a lawyer arranges for another lawyer to transfer title, and uh, one of her cousins drives it down, drives the car down to Dallas, and gives it to Ed Earl. And uh, that's
0: his—that's his, that's his uh, palpable connection to Carla Sue. Well, I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite cars because my father had one.
1: I thought it was super. Well, I, yeah, I, uh, and I, 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 I gave him another one of my crates. I've got a 72 Cutlass rag top that and my wife and I enjoy taking out to, um liquor and lottery ticket runs up to Tennessee and elsewhere. We just We just have a blast with it. We don't necessarily go anywhere because you know, booming down the highway with the top down is is you know purpose enough.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't go very fast, but it was red. I don't know why he picked red, but whatever. But it was, it was a cool car, and then he had a, a gold Cadillac convertible. I've always
1: I, I've, I've always wanted to have a Cadillac. I don't know whether I'm going to get one or not, but you're not um, missing
0: anything. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. I mean, I you know. Uh the the car i've got is set up like a boulevard cruiser, so it it doesn't have a big big engine in it and uh, it get it it
0: it scoots along plenty fast so how do he loses his police shield right and yeah he, he, he and lost why does it he years turn it ago. in
1: well he he didn't turn it in necessarily uh he didn't he turn didn't turn it in, in. yeah. Uh, he got booted off the Dallas Police Force. Um, I felt bad. He had a a, a bunch of, um, you know, run-ins with superiors uh, that put him on thin ice, and then he uh, wound up punching out the pimp of a a whore who had kind of picked him up in a bar, and given him a. Um, mercy freebie, so to speak, and wound up getting murdered uh, several weeks later in in a robbery. And the pimp was just basically saying, well, that's the cost of the profession, that's the cost of doing business. And Earl saw red and punched the guy out. And unfortunately, the uh, pimp's lawyer was right there. And... uh, file a complaint and uh, Ed Earl gets tossed off the force. And it's it's something that haunts him throughout. I mean, you know I it, see that. He, he's lost his you know, lost his sense of higher calling and serving something bigger than himself. And it really you know, it really kinda knocks him for a loop early on until he gets his feet up underneath him and starts, you know, learning that he's still, even without the badge, he still has those cop instincts and still has kind of a threadbare code he lives by, and he starts, you know, building up a you know,
0: business as a private eye based in Dallas. So what is a CAT D for? What is that? Or well, who is that?
1: Cat or Cat D? Cat D. Uh, well, Cat D four is a is a bulldozer, and that, you mm-hmm. see that late in the book. But there's also a cat who is one of the detectives uh, mm-hmm. that gather around the, the table at Louie's uh, for you know, a bull session. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. ex tops you know, telling telling old war stories and. This is a way to remember who they once were and what they once did before bad choices and age and circumstances took it all away from them. And uh, it's, it's um, you know, it's almost like they're gathering around a campfire and trying to keep the wolves at bay um, and uh, trying to hold back the night and take comfort from each other you know in, in a in a rough you know macho kind of way um, cat tells a story about you know one of the one of the cases uh that he never quite got uh, um, got justice on mm. and how he uh, you know started haunting the uh, murder suspect um uh, following around town showing up next to him making sure he was seen and just trying to get into the guy's head and you know you could tell that that he was kind of getting close to where he was going to kill the guy himself mm. but the guy did him a favor and committed suicide and that's where you get into you know the the you know the the temptation about vigilante justice um mm-hmm. The line that a cop has to walk, uh, the frustration uh, when uh, a case does not come together and, but you know the guy did it uh, you just can't prove it uh, or witnesses uh, you know punk out and, uh, uh, and 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 you get a uh, false certainty that uh, you know best, and you know that this guy did it, and you get kind of like tunnel vision. And, uh, you know, Ed Earl knows this very well. He's an ex-homicide cop. And uh, his kind of break on that temptation was he always has doubts. Mm. And, you know, it was the doubts that would cause him to dig deeper, find more, um, you know, because he knew that he's not infallible and he, you know, he's, he's too flawed to be judge and jury. So he would keep digging for more evidence um, and keep working it and keep picking away at it. And um gets him a, into a philosophical discussion with his dead partner about doubt mm. being a friend doubt being uh, second cousin to, you know, survival instinct. And, you know, the Jesuits say, you know, doubt is not the loss of faith, it is the struggle to build faith. And uh, you know, I, so I kind of use that as a theme throughout the book. Um, you know, when he's faced with choices um it's the doubt that checks him, and you know he does his sums and makes sure he's not about to step in onto a cow patty, and uh, uh, it serves it serves him well most of the time.
0: Now I understand that because I have a lot of doubt in people lately, and the people that are supposed to be there for you, I would have wonder like why not? So you have to look deeper. He's right. So what yep. is dead? So he's dead certain of. How did you create that in Chapter Four in the box?
1: Well, you know, I I tend to come up with the titles first, and mm-hmm. then I have to justify them, and yep. uh, you know, I was I was turning that in my mind, and and so that's uh, there's an exchange between Ed Earl and his dead partner about you mm-hmm. know, what doubt is and what and and how that saves you from being judge and jury, and um, how that you know it's basically like a, a checklist or, or a a uh, um, a reminder to keep working the case, and you know do your you know do a you know a last minute gut check before you take an action, and just you know because you're not quite sure you know what you think you know, and uh, um, as long as it doesn't freeze you from taking action, you know, where you might get killed, doubt is your friend, and sometimes your only friend.
0: It's scary, because you listen to the news, and vigilante justice seems to be the only way, and nobody's doing anything about a lot of things that are happening, especially in the schools, and just violence in general. It's scary. So why the Mexican cartel, and what I love about Ed Early is that he doesn't exactly do things the right way. He's unorthodox, which is really good.
1: Well, yeah, he's, uh, you know, and this is not, this is something I agree with. You know, Mm -hmm. many critics sit there and say that I'm basically writing a modern-day Western. And uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I think... That's correct. You know, I didn't set out to do that, but that's that's the way Ed Earl is. He's more like a a 19th century lawman than he is a modern lawman, and he'll break the rules or bend the rules in a heartbeat if it justifies. You know, if mm-hmm. if it if it's what he needs to do to, you know, get to the the truth or you know corner a bad guy. Uh, you know in the pursuit of um, you know either making an arrest or exacting you know revenge so i think um you know he um he he you know he's still a good street cop but you mm-hmm. know, he's one who because he doesn't have a badge he doesn't have to play by the rules so you know if that that um um you know, that serves him well, um, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll cut a corner, uh, but it's oftentimes the corner's there because of the rules and regulations he no longer has to follow. And so he's following a more of a straight line to uh, um, go after the bad guys, find out the truth, get the things he needs to get to make a case, um so he is unorthodox
0: it makes a I like people like that because if they if they're too perfect and not flawed and don't break the rules I get bored very easily and well you know how many and books I, Fran has read yeah, too many
1: <laughs> when I first started writing uh, you know my first book I mean I deliberately set out I wanted Ed Earl to be a flawed character Which I thought would make him more human, and he's not super smart like Sam Spade or Steve McQueen's character in Bullet. Uh, He's not super suave or smooth, Um, but he is tough and smart and relentless, and you know, but has those deep flaws, and I think that makes him more of an everyman character that people can I you know with whom people can identify. Um you know, he's he's the guy sitting next to you in a gimme cap, uh, drinking a Budweiser at the bar. Uh in his case drinking a whiskey. He's somebody, you know, you see in everyday life. So you know, that was my intent. Um I think I think I accomplished it. Uh but um you know, the reader is the ultimate judge. Earl uh, seems to have a ca- small cadre of uh, rabid fans, so um, you know I, I, that tells me that uh, I must be doing something right with him.
0: Well, there are people that will will say he's great because I think he's he's different, and then there are people say, Oh God, why 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 did they, he just this guy to do that? Everybody's different. So, Ed had financial problems. How did how did he take care of that? Then we're going to get into the nitty gritty of Juanita.
1: Well, the the you know in the earlier books he's in debt to a Shyster lawyer, uh, mm. Fat Willie Popsinger who also gets him involved in cases that he really doesn't want to take. You know he hates doing divorce work but he's got to pay the bills and he's got to kind of play ball with uh, Willie because
0: mm.
1: Willie holds paper on his business, Willie's his landlord, and so he has to, um, you know, he has to eventually do what Willie wants him to do to, mm. you know, keep having the loan foreclosed on, et cetera, et cetera. But it gives Willie a lot of, you know, static, uh, mm-hmm. before bring to take cases and their their phone conversations are insult fests that uh, um, I think they're pretty funny but uh, again I'll let the reader judge uh, on that one. Now the character that I really he like... Finally, he, he has finally gotten the shed of Willie. He's paid him mm-hmm. off and he's really done well with um, building a um, uh, building a business where he chases after uh the uh, um fugitives of the savings and loan bust that you know ravaged texas and a lot of a lot of other western states back in the uh, mid eighties mm. and he um He's able to actually put a little money in the bank. He's much more comfortable. Um mm. and, and and uh but he's bored out of his mind and, and he, <laughs> he longs to do you know, he longs to do the things he did when he was a manhunter with a gold badge. And uh, he's also taking stock of his life. He's in his mid fifties and you know, he, he wants to make amends with people he's wronged. He's not an AA, but it's almost like he's doing fifth step, and uh, um, he, uh, you know, that's that gets him thinking of people he's wronged, and one of the people he's wronged is Juanita Mucher, yeah. Mucher, uh, and he had helped Juanita keep uh, uh, her wayward granddaughter out of jail. And you know, back a decade earlier, and then he just turned away. He'd gotten up, booted off the force, and he just didn't have the strings to pull he used to. And he, you know, was too busy or too self-centered uh, trying to get his own life, you know, going again. Uh, and so he ignored her. And then, you know, in this book, realizes. I need to reach out and, uh, and you know, at least say I'm sorry. So, little, little does he know that Juanita's going to throw him back into the West Texas briar patch and send him again after mm. her granddaughter, who is e- in even more trouble, mixed up with gun runners and mm. cartel killers and... White supremacists and Texas secessionists, and just a, you know, kind of a hell broth of uh, characters who were looking to get her dead. So that's uh, that's kind of uh, uh, where Ed Earl is at on this uh, deal. It's a mission of mercy uh, to help uh, fulfill a dying woman's last request to see her granddaughter.
0: Well, she pays him, too, and he didn't want to take it. She pays him because she feels that it's not, she doesn't want it to be a debt, I guess. So yeah. Rhonda May is a real, oh, she's a real pip, let me tell you. And what happens when he finds her? And Rhonda May, I have it in front of me, but I'm sure you remember, I have it in front of me. What? Why does she hate our country? Why does she say all those things about it?
1: Uh I'm not sure what you're asking.
0: The paragraph says right or wrong these crazies got all the evidence they need to sell their happy horse blubber. Got them sugar happy fed served it up and she's talking about it. and if you're wearing a badge, it's best to get crazy whatever and learn the lingo so you'll know what you're up against. She doesn't well, love, love America, does she?
1: <laughs> well, she she um Ederle's never quite sure whether she believes in all this, you know, mm. white supremacist, the uh, Texas secede stuff, um, or whether she's just a, you know, real gifted con artist mm. who can sell this, like, soap to other people, meanwhile not believing a word of it or, you know, believing very little of what she's saying. And you're never quite clear, you know, where where to fall on that uh because uh even though she writes her grandmother about you know the with includes some of the dogma of these people in her letters to her grandmother, she also writes about you know things that have nothing to do with that and you know mm. talk about and talks about finding true love and really loving the countryside and you know, which is, you know, very harsh and stark, but somehow beautiful. Um, I like it a lot. Um, and um, so you're not quite sure about what her, you know, motivations are, um, except for one thing. Mm. You can bet she wants revenge for her dead lover. Who yeah. body is found by, you know, Doggett and uh, another uh Sheriff, uh, in the first part of the book. You know, she hears her lover getting killed and getting chopped up. She can't see it from where she's at, but she hears it. And then Doggett investigates, you know, the the death. And it's a a pretty grisly uh, scene. Um, I know. uh, I'm not going to spoil it for readers, but it's... uh, it's, it's it's something you want to read uh, after, after dinner rather than before.
0: This is very true. So who is Wiley and what is his role? And tell us about his ranch. And then we're going to get into the true believers, because she believes in the true believers. And how does it yeah. link, link his ranch to the true believers? That's scary, too.
1: Well, the ranch that Wiley's working on is kind of a sham. Mm. It's a cover for a gun-running operation and drug-running that's kind of behind the facade that this ex-state senator, T for Texas Bondurant, has has, uh, set up at the ranch. And, you know, he makes a uh, part of his living by luring... Uh, downtrodden people, people who've mm. lost jobs, people who are, you know, thinking that the American dream has passed them by, and they want to blame somebody, and, you know, Bondurant gives them the people to blame, You know, blacks, Mexicans, mm. uh, you know, just anybody but themselves, and kind of preaches that, you know, let's set up a, a, another Texas republic separate from the U.S. based on yeah. biblical pen and, you know, say, you know, save ourselves if we can't save the country. And a lot of, you know, down and out uh, losers who are very angry and very pissed off about losing what, you know, they once had, um, you know, are willing to listen to them. And pay him two or three hundred bucks a throw to come up and go through one of their seminars and uh, listen to Bondurant preach. But in reality, what he's really doing is uh, running a uh, you know running a gun running and uh, um, drug operation uh, in partnership with some really nasty Aryan Brotherhood uh, partners. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, there are people i read in the news lately, or whatever, and I just read a book about um, James McCrone's new book, Bastard Verdict, deals with uh, Scotland wanting to independence from England. So there are a lot of different countries. Even California wanted to be separate, and Texas. Some states actually did want to secede. So it's not so, so far as fetched. So who is Tommy Wan, and why did they kill this poor kid? Oh, I feel so bad
1: well tommy Wan was uh, thought thought he was uh you know, sharper than uh he really was yeah. He was in business with um one of the main uh villains of the uh of the story uh a really nasty piece of work called cleve chiswick you know uh, an ex con an Aryan brotherhood member uh and wound up uh ratting out uh out the, that operation uh, to the feds and uh, he winds up getting a shorter prison sentence as a result is back you know up to his old tricks uh, selling um, you know selling setting up uh, a gun running operation with uh, some of the ex clients of the people he betrayed and he gets um, Ronda May to front up for him uh she takes on a persona um, that uh, um, you know she called the people call her la mm-hmm. la guerra which is the blonde and uh she winds up uh, getting um, uh you know Staying with Tommy Juan until the mm-hmm. you know the wolves start closing in, and she gets out just in time, but knows it's only a matter of time before he gets tracked down and killed.
0: Well, before I forget, tomorrow everybody gets to see what I know. As a reading and writing specialist, I'm going to deal with questioning skills for children grades K to 12 with the foremost authority in the world, my reading professor, Dr. George Cavuto. And um, he asks the questions, I get to answer them. Aren't I lucky? He's going to turn the tables on me. On the 19th, New York Times author John Gilstrap will be here with White Smoke. On the 20th, Charles Salzberg, Men on the Run. On the 25th, at a special time at 12, Robert Dagoni, his new book. And on the 26th, Don Bentley with Forgotten War, and on the first, a very, very, very sad and tragic story, Taking Back My Soul, What Happens When You're 16 and You're Sold Into Slavery by Your Father, and on the third, Someone Everybody Loves, 27 Minutes, Patrick Moore, and that's just part of May. So who is Chai Reynolds, and how does he get linked to Birch? And why does he connect with the with the with Doggett? We have a few more Chewy, minutes. To level
1: it's Chewy Ronaldo, Chewy. and he he is uh, he's somebody that uh, wanted Ed Earl dead in the mm. last novel, and uh, he uh, he was unsuccessful, thankfully, and he's you know, was the prime hitman for a drug lord who got uh, upended by uh, uh rival cartels. Fran, I apologize, but uh, I've got a biological need. Can I step away for just a
0: second? Yes, you can. And I will fill the air with somebody else. Um yeah. This is going to be an exciting moment, and he'll be back in one second. And for those of you that haven't read Ed Earl's books or uh, Jim's books, I don't know what you're missing. This is really great. He has, this is the fourth book in the series, and I read them all. And Ed Earl is a definite dangerous character that you want to meet. So let me repeat myself. Tomorrow, Dr. George Cavuto will be here at 10. And uh, John Gilstrap will be here next Wednesday at 10 On Charles Salzberg for Man on the Run Frances Hoyt will be here at 10 On the 25th, Robert Dagoni, Her Deadly Game at 12 The 26th, we're going to talk about Afghanistan and the Forgotten War And on the 1st, Maya Oba is going to talk about how it felt to be sold into slavery And the horrible life that she lived for over 20-something years and on the 3rd, Patrick Moore. And then there were plenty more coming up. Um, the author of Liquid Shades of Blue on the 8th. I'm not sure about the 10th because the book might be held up. And what, what a way to end the month then with FBI agent uh, Mark Boulton with um, he, Does Your Guy Tell a Lie? And for those of you that want to know if somebody lies, it's a great book to read. So... We have a lot of people. We're waiting for Jim to come back, and hopefully he'll come back soon. And at that point, we're going to talk about Rhonda and how come she had to change the way she looks. And then we're going to talk about uh, several Charlie, and we're going to talk about how Earl winds up with Doggett and how they wind up together. And if this case ever gets solved, then you'll be amazed. What happens at the end And I'm not going to tell you what that is And I truly hope he gets back here because we don't have a lot of time left What can I say And for those of you that don't know it Marsha Castle Cook is on the line A good story is a good story So if you really want an interview about writing Writing styles and writing skills That would be great And I have about Two minutes And you know what, it's time to brag um yesterday I watched my nephew Jake's game and they creamed the other team. They won and he scored a home run and I'm really proud of him. So at least I get to brag about that. And today I hope they win again because finally they got they won they won 4 out of 5. So that's not bad. So let's hope he comes back soon. I hope. When I'm back. Oh good. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm just filling it up. Yeah, I got you to know? brag. My oh, nephew's
0: won. my nephew's team won yesterday. I was like cheering from my phone. I was so excited. Okay, so Good. we have to we have a few more minutes. We have to meet Rhonda. Why? What happens when she meets Ed Earl, and they have to team up? And why did she have to change how she looks? Well, she
1: was looking since she was on the run. She was yeah. looking to kind of um, look. Uh, like anybody, but the flashy blonde mm. he would be when she was fronting gun-running deals. Uh, so she cut her hair, uh, let it go back to its natural color, uh, started wearing dumpy clothes, and you know anything but the the flash that she you know deliberately showed when she was uh, selling guns with Tommy Wan. So um you also asked me who Wiley Bohannon was and yeah. Wiley is one of the um, one of the old cowboys that um mm. uh, get hired at that uh at, at that ranch to kind of provide the the facade of it being a working cattle ranch mm. and they they run uh you know coriente cattle who are that, that are kind of a uh they're used quite frequently in uh, uh rodeos, uh and but they're, you know, really kinda wily and uh um, self sufficient cattle who are perfect for that rough country. And um they're lousy to eat because their 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 meat is so uh tough and s and, and, and lean, but um uh, there uh Wiley is you know one of five or six cowboys that uh you know work at the ranch uh, and uh, uh, provide you know kind of cover uh, for the illegal activities that are going on there.
0: Well, it gets more interesting now because Earl teams up with Doggett. How come, and what is his response? Why does he decide to go along with him?
1: I think, um, you know, it. it's just the simple thing mm-hmm. of they had worked together before and they've renewed kind of a, you know, a spiky uh, but uh, not adversarial relationship. Mm-hmm. And they both, in, in Ed Earl's case, the last thing he wanted to do was try and, you know, chase the granddaughter uh, with the local sheriff ticked off at him. And um, uh, Doggett sees um, Ed Earl as a chance for him to um, find out about, you know, gun running operations and what's really happening out at that ranch. So they they kind of strike a deal, and uh, um, you know both getting something out of the deal uh, to uh, you know kind of further their individual agendas.
0: Well, this gets more complicated. People, tell us about and I didn't wasn't sure about this guy. He has a question mark. Um, who is Cider and? How did who is he who is he involved with? Because he's well, supposedly working with Doggett. He's supposed to be the good guy, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: but find out uh, things aren't exactly as they appear. Yeah. Uh, Willis Quana uh, uh, sider Jones is a former mm-hmm. Houston homicide detective who um, blames Ed Earl for the death of his partner. Mm. Way back in book one, and uh, um, you know he he appears in book two as someone who uh, really would like to see Ed Earl dead.
0: Yeah, uh, I know.
1: And, and lets him, uh, you know, chasing him uh, while Ed Earl is chasing a uh, um, fugitive mafia financier. And has no intention of arresting him. He just wants to see whether the bad guys will close in and do the job for him.
0: Mm.
1: Well, he's the same guy. And uh, he gets, um, after leaving the Houston Police Department, he gets hired by the state attorney general and gets assigned to a border task force that's right in the backyard of where Ed Earl is uh, working. So it's... um, it, you know, there's a there's a bit of a, uh, you know, collision course that's been set up. It's not a major theme of the book, but it's, it gives an added dimension of uncertainty and potential, you know, bad times for Ed Earl. Well, then, more, then another
0: character more, that I don't like. I know, I felt so bad because if you really look deep, you're going to begin to wonder who is Cider.
1: Yeah, um, or, you know, you're not sure whether cider still holds that grudge, or um, you know, has has mellowed over the years. Uh, but um, um, you know, so it, it,
0: it's kind of interesting to see how he how he falls uh, as the book develops. Well, I have to sort of shorten my questioning because otherwise it's going to take forever. Doggett is hiding someone. There are two more murders, but the character that is really question mark is Valentina Garza. What what is her role?
1: She is the daughter of a um, of a murdered drug lord yeah. you know, across the river who is trying to revitalize her father's empire. Mm-hmm. And he is even more ruthless than her dad. And um I intended her to be a bigger character than she wound up being. Um but you know, she 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 survives this book so she'll be back. Um That's what I thought in, in, in future books. Um and uh, you know, I think uh the the chapter she is, you know, featured in, I think it sets a, a strong uh, portrait of uh, who she is and what she's capable of.
0: Well, who is Bobby Navarro and who is El Duke, and his relationship to Ronda? Mm. Give, give me the name of the first person.
1: Are you asking about Bobby Navarro? Bobby Navarro, yeah. Um. Bobby Quintero is uh, a Sudden dog. It's um, yeah. one of his deputies who, interesting character. He's a former uh, special forces guy, former army ranger, and with uh, kind of some nasty experience uh, uh, working with the Contras down in uh, Central America in the 80s. And uh, he uh, is pretty battle scarred but... but uh, Doggett hires him, and he really likes, you know, working uh, as a as a lawman. And but Doggett puts him to work as, uh, you know, as someone who's got skills to uh, scope something out and in, st- in a stealthy way. Uh, and he he sends Bobby uh, into the ranch to find out what's going on in there. So, you know, Bobby does kind of a, you know, stealthy night scout uh, over Mm -hmm. a couple of days of the ranch and finds out, you know, things, as they suspected, things aren't all that they seem, and uh, that sets the stage for a big raid on the ranch. So, and who else
0: were you asking about? uh, I'm going to skip that one and go on to the next one. So that we could get this. As so a deputy is killed, right? And somebody very powerful is arrested. So how does Doggett deal with that?
1: Well, the uh uh in the first case not well because
0: Yeah, I know he, he
1: is he is shamed you know, he earlier shamed his uh, chief deputy and uh, you know, muscling up and being uh um you know, being more of a badass than, than he was really mm-hmm. capable of being. Uh, and uh, that chief deputy winds up getting killed while chasing after some bad guys uh, during the raid. And that uh, that really twists Doggett, who, you know, blames himself for shaming the guy and uh, setting him up to you know, prove his manhood during the raid and winding up getting killed as a result. So that that really, uh, you know, kind of grieves uh, Doggett. Uh, the big person that they arrest is the guy who runs the ranch. Mm. You Key know, for Texas Bondurant, the big, you know, blowhard hate monger. And, uh, you know, they they discover, you know, Stolen guns and drugs uh, buried on the ranch, and uh, charge him with uh, you know a wide range of felonies, and uh, um, it's uh, um, and, and it's dogged through his deputy who has brought the case forward through Bobby Quintera, um, and you know it, it's it's. Um, it's local law who has like dug up the the dirt to take this guy down, so it's uh, it, it's a uh, you know quite a feather in Doggett's cap, and uh kind of, you know instead of being in the back seat of a uh w- with uh, riding in the back seat of an investigation run by the feds, Doggett is at the
0: forefront.: We have about one more minute, whatever, but I have to ask this question. Rhonda is annoyed because he wants to protect her, right? So how did, how did you create that last scene? I cried. I got a, Actually, the final scene. How did you create the final scenes? Because I got a box of tissues for that one.
1: Well, she remembers him from the past. And really, by this point, thinks she doesn't need anybody to help her. Uh, And and she does need a broken-down ex-homicide detective, and uh, she'll be just fine, you know, with the people she's got, thank you very much. But Ed Earl keeps working at her and reminding her of her love for her grandmother and the need to, you know, see her one last time and fulfill her last wish, and that kind of softens, you know, Ronda May, and uh, uh, you know she kind of puts up with it, or and eventually they become much closer through, through mm. shared experience, uh, trying to escape from a big shootout uh, out in the out in the wilderness.
0: It's the hardest thing to give up on somebody. But the most gratifying thing is when you get to say goodbye. That's the worst that you don't get to. So where do you see him next, and where can everybody get all four of your books?
1: Uh, I'm working on the next uh, novel as we speak. I'm trying to figure out what briar patch I'm going to throw Ed Earl into.
0: Oh, goody. Uh,
1: There's a chance that he winds up... um, moving to West Texas and taking on a role as a DA's investigator. That that mm-hmm. offer is on the table, but, you know, he's kind of, yet again, he has his doubts and uh, wonders whether or not uh, he's been an outlaw so long that he couldn't walk the line that a, that a lawman is expected to walk. So you're going to have to find out. Um well, well when it comes tour. out,
0: I hope I get a copy right away.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I apologize for how slow Amazon was. I, I, think, yeah, I, know. I sent you a copy as soon as uh, as soon as they were available, but they took like a month to send it to you. So um, don't feel bad. They you, sent me two. Yeah. Well, you can get my books.
0: That's okay because uh, oh. this one's going in the pile like all the other ones do And my <laughs> dermatologist's wife who loves me She's never met me, but as the dermatologist, Dr. Doctor Mermelstein calls me Every couple of weeks, when, you're coming, when are you coming with books? I don't have to have an appointment I just have to walk in with books, otherwise I can't come in at all So yeah. in two weeks he's getting these plus another 30 That's pretty good for a month, right? <laughs> not bad Yeah,
1: not too bad uh, so where can, can we get, get
0: all all four of
1: Ed Earl? You can get them on Amazon. Just uh, punch up, uh, look for my name, Jim Nesbitt, and you'll you'll see a listing of my books and some old faded country and western singer and a uh, Jim Nesbitt who was an author back in the '70s. Uh, just look for you know the Ed Earl Birch hard-boiled Texas crime thrillers and I'm running a Kindle countdown deal right now where today it's 60% off on the, paper, on oh, the Kindle nice. version and tomorrow it's uh, 30% off so you know, jump on to Amazon and grab
0: you some hard-boiled Texas crime thriller goodness that is great, so thank you so much this has made my day a whole lot better than it would have been. Well, uh, I,
1: I am I am glad to do it, Fran. I always enjoy uh, talking with you, and I do apologize for that uh, brief I- interruption. Uh, That's okay, no problem.
0: Everybody gets it, and if I have the problem, I just take my cell phone and use it and <laughs> pray that I get back in time. Uh,
1: well, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be no. that rude, so. Uh, but again, I, I appreciate the time and uh, really enjoy talking with you again.
0: Thank you so much, and I'll let you know when I have a panel. I'm thinking about doing one on outrageous characters, and how they make I, the story a little more. Powerful. That's uh, more for you, right?
1: Well, I, you know, my
0: my guys are wallflowers.
1: I don't I don't know whether they, they, that that would fit your uh, program or not.
0: Oh, everything fits my parameter. I never know. I, I just I just wing it. It's my life. I wing I'm it. Going, I,
1: I'm pulling your leg, Fran. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Ed Earl's outrageous enough.
0: Oh goody! So everybody have a great day. Stay safe and bye.
1: Thanks again.
0: Thank you.